0: We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 25 this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. I'll be preaching from the ESV, the English Standard Version. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, please grab one in the back. Uh, You can keep that. You can mark it up. That's our gift to you. Uh, We would love for you to have that. Uh, If you don't have a copy or if you just need a copy uh, in a transitional phase till you get a new Bible, um, you can take one of those. As you turn there and just prepare uh, for uh, the reading of God's word here in a moment, I just want to set the stage for where we're going to be going uh, for the next four weeks, including today. Uh, We're going to be looking at God's design for the family. Uh, What has God said about the family? family of God. Uh, It has been said that as the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. And I agree with that. I think for certain, we must believe and we must start that the family is the most important institution in our society. And if we want to see change in our world, it must Underline, bold, it must start with healthy families. It has to start there. And let me just broaden the airwaves for anyone that may have tuned out. I want to ensure that everyone knows that this topic is applicable to them, regardless of their current relational status. Regardless of where you find yourself in your familial arena, the next four weeks is for you singles that are looking to be married one day. I mean this is the goal this is your aim this is what you should you should should line up and, and shoot for, put this into the scope, the crosshairs, and say this is the type of marriage I want to aim for, as you look for a spouse, and as you aim for a healthy marriage one day, Uh, maybe you're a single and you're not looking to get married. Uh, Maybe you feel as if the Lord has called you to a life of singleness, and uh, that's uh, a conversation we'd love to have with you. But my my prayer is that if you do feel that that is what the Lord has called you to, that you would see that you're not an outlier that God has specifically designed you for a specific reason, if that is your lot, to serve the body of Christ and the families to which you have been called to. I want to see this church become the type of church that is known, first and foremost, for our love for one another. In that, Jesus said that we will be known as his disciples. And so when we do this well, when we serve one another well within the family that God has brought us into, within the larger congregation and the smaller, I believe will be a great witness to the world around us. Uh, for those that are married, if you're thriving, I mean if you're just killing it, you're knocking it out of the park right now and, I mean your marriage is just like, you check all the boxes in your mind, Let me encourage you here. Um, There's always room for growth. There's always room for growth. Uh, I want to encourage you to press on. I want to encourage you in the the ways that you are thriving. And And I hope that the next four weeks will do that. Man, if you're in here struggling, if your marriage is just, it's on its way to disaster, I mean, you feel like if there's one more fight, like you you just cannot take any more, you're out. You're looking for loopholes. Like, how do I get out of this thing? I mean, my my prayer, my prayer has been, my prayer is, is that you will grow. You will grow in your understanding of God's design for your family, that you will grow in your understanding of how you can use your current situation to bring glory to him and good to others. So today what we're going to do is we're going to start with the foundation. Just to to look at what what is God's plan and purpose for marriage? What is the foundational beginnings here? And listen, we're doing this in four weeks, okay? This isn't something that I'm going to cover every single detail today. That's why we're taking 4 weeks to do it. We're going to look at God's foundation for the family, for marriage. We're going to then look at what a husband's call is. What are the uh, what does it look like to be a godly man? Then we will look like look at what it looks like to be a godly woman, a wife. And then in week 4, we will look at what it looks like to raise children. How do we teach children to obey. And children, how do you continue to respect and show honor to your parents even when you are grown? But in order to help us get to the details, like we've got to just draw the baseline. We've got to build on a foundation. and We've got to all come to the common agreement here that God has a plan, it was his idea, and he has a purpose for marriage. Amen? All right. So with that, Let me read Genesis 2, 15 through 25 for us. Would you look there with me and would you hear now the word of the Lord? The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, And whatever the man called every living creature that was its name the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, "'This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man.'" Verse 24, "'Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh.'" And the man and his wife were both naked, And we're not ashamed. Would you join me as we pray? Father, simply, we need you. We need your spirit at work in this time uh, to just generate and renew our hearts in ways that would bring glory to you. Father, I pray that you would help me in this moment to uh, just speak your word clearly, to communicate the truths of Scripture in a way that would benefit this congregation. So, Father, I simply ask what we know not, you would teach us, and what we are not, you would make us. What we have not, you would give us. By your grace, for your glory, in Christ's name, And God's people said, amen. So, my kids in my home love Legos. Everybody's seen Legos? Fun little building blocks that you put together. and. Zion and Titus, uh, they actually, they're ages six and four, they share a room and they even have a little Lego table in their room that they share. Uh, they have a little storage container that is color-coded where they can put all the little blocks and uh, they have Legos literally everywhere. Uh, there's a display, uh, some of you are smiling if you've been in my house, you've seen this, right? There's a display area for the Legos, for those that have been completed, to put on display for everyone to see. And and there's been dozens of Legos built in my home, and we've put a bunch of them together. And if you've ever opened a, a box of Legos, you would see that on the front, right, you see the box of it, and there's a picture on the front of it. It's like, okay, the pieces in this box, if you put them together, if you follow these instructions, this is the product it will produce. You look at the instructions and they're very detailed, they're pictures, color-coded, I mean, you can even go online now and you can watch videos on how to put whatever particular uh, pieces together that you have to then produce the desired outcome. We put them together. We've built many, many Legos. I mean, it's, it's understandable why Legos are a very popular toy. I mean, they're, they're fun. It's great to do together. But if you've been to my house, and if you were to walk into my house right now, you, you wouldn't see any of the dozens of Legos that were supposed to be built in a particular way still put together. Uh, What you would see now are Legos everywhere. Legos broken up, built into different things, good things, cool things, but there's not one of the original of the dozens of Lego sets that are still in its original design. What's my point here? All of our Legos have been dismantled. They've been reconstructed into something different than they were originally designed to be, which is fine because they're Legos. Uh, They're they're meant to kind of build creativity in kids. They're they're meant to, to do this. But the connection I want us to see is that many people treat marriage like a set of Legos. They've redesigned, they've reconstructed, they've dismantled God's original design for marriage. And what I wanted to see is that, listen, we do not get creative liberty when it comes to marriage. Insert amen. We do not have the option to just say, we're going to take marriage and and to do whatever we want with it, and we like this design. We're going to really neglect the one that God has given to us. See, God has given us a design and instruction for marriage, He's given us a plan. I mean, He's made a way for us to look at marriage. And while many dismantle and reconstruct God's design for marriage to suit their own desires, the truth remains the same. For marriage does not adhere to God's design. It is not a marriage at all. And I'll just uh, throw some elephants in the room here. Homosexual marriage is not a true marriage. Uh, polygamous marriages, not God's design. Not a true marriage. Adulterous marriages. Uh, Say, for example, man has one family over here and has another marriage over here that's his secret life. Not true marriage. The, The first one, if it's done the right way. But once you start adding to God's design, You've crossed the boundaries of what God says constitutes a true marriage. Our statement of faith, the New Hampshire Confession of Faith, says this in section three. We believe humanity is the unique and special creation of God made in his own image. God created them male and female as the crowning work of his creation. The gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of God's creation. The gift of marriage consists of the uniting of one man and one woman in covenant commitment for a lifetime. And this gift models the way God relates to his people. So if you're a member of this church, that is the truth that we adhere to. That is what we believe, and this is not something that we made up on our own, or something that the uh, the, those that put together the New Hampshire Confession of Faith made up on their own. This is a truth that is found in God's Word, and it is found specifically in our text today. Quick overview of to get us to where we are, which isn't very far in Scripture. But in Genesis chapter 1, we get an overview of the creation of all things, of all the cosmos, the heavens and the earth, day and night. We get the atmosphere. We get water, land, plants, sun, moon, stars, all the animals and humans. I mean, it's the grand yet general, right? We don't get every single detail, but it's a, it's a very general overview of creation. It's like this is how the universe came to be. And after walking through the creation account, Moses kind of circles back and he double clicks here on day six. And he looks here on the emphasis on the creation of man and woman. And it is in this section that we zoom in and get a better view of how God planned and designed humanity to occupy And live within his created world. In chapter 2, we also move from all of creation to a specific area. There's a designated space here now where we start to see an emphasis on, and that is the Garden of Eden. Look up here at verse 8 with me in chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, stop right there and just look at the intentionality here. I mean, there's intentionality here with God's handiwork. As we make our way through this section of Scripture, I want you to do uh, one or two things. Um, if you're taking notes, I want you to just maybe write down every time we see that God does something, that, that God puts someone or does this or is in action in some way, or you can just underline it, highlight it in your Bible. I think it will be helpful as we really start to wrap our minds around God's plan for marriage. The text doesn't really say that Adam wandered over to the garden, does it? it? It doesn't say that, like, Adam just somehow made his way there. The text tells us that God put him there. Parents, uh, you ever put your children somewhere? Now, they're rebels, and they don't stay there long, but we, we pick up, I want you to have this picture in your mind of placing and putting someone where you want them to be. This is the the word picture I want you to see as we think about God putting Adam into the garden. Then if we look down into our text in verse 15, let's read this and we'll see God's plan continue to unfold. It says, The Lord God... Took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So here we see that Adam is first before Eve, put into the Garden of Eden. He's here alone. He's here alone. He's here to do something. What does the text tell us that he's there to do? I mean, we we don't have to wonder why. What does the text say? It says, he's there to work. He's there to get to work. He's got to work the garden. He has to keep the garden. So newsflash for you, work was there before the fall. Okay? Men, we were made to work. We were made to work. We were made to be active and to do things with our hands, our minds, Whatever type of work you do, you were made for that. So, the question you need to ask yourself is God, how can I glorify you amidst the fall in my work? Man, if you're waking up every day grumbling, complaining about going to work, I, I suggest you talk to the Lord about that. The Lord has you where He wants you, where He needs you. Get to work, work hard. Work is not a bad thing. I believe that we will have jobs and work in heaven. I believe that we will have, we're not going to be sitting around on clouds with little uh, angels playing harps and flutes and feeding us grapes, like a lot of pictures try to uh, you know, produce. That's not how it's going to happen. I think we will be active. The new heavens and the new earth, we're, we're going to be active in heaven. We're going to be working. But work will be the way that it was originally planned To be, I can get into all that today, but all I want you to see here today is that we were made for work. I mean, this is something believed by the New Testament writers as well, isn't it? I mean, over and over again in Scripture, we see that man is supposed to work. I'll give us one example here. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Don't work, don't eat. Men, you were made to work. Do it. Let us also note that it was man who was first given this instruction. So men, one, your responsibility is to work. This is God's plan. You you were given this instruction. And Lord willing, we'll talk about this in weeks to come as we look at the different roles of men and women. But like I said, I don't want us to miss it here. Man is put in the Garden of Eden. He's put there to work and keep it. But then in verse 16, we see that God gives Adam some very specific instructions. He tells them something very specific. Look here with me. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now listen, man is still alone here. Man is, he's alone at this point. Who does God Give the command to? Adam. T- to the man. Yeah, It's, it's not hard. I, I'm just delivering the mail. I didn't write it. It's just, that's what it says. It's man who was given the command. We don't ever see in scripture here that uh, you're supposed to, that, that God ever tells Eve this command either. We don't ever see this in scripture. We see that he told Adam, which would imply that Adam is supposed to lead. He's supposed to lead. He's supposed to lead his family, those that are to come in the instructions of the Lord. Men, are you doing that? Once again, this is an overview of some things we're going to get into in the next couple of weeks, Lord willing. But let's not miss it here. Men, Lead your families well. Man, you're going to fail. You're going to drop the ball. I do it all the time. My wife will tell you. My kids will tell you. But man, we cannot shirk the load. I mean, we've got to remove all the distractions in order to hit that target if we are to follow God's design. There's other things that have to go. This one can't. God playing something else here. Look at verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, notice here that this is the first time in the creation narrative that anything has not been good. Remember, God creates, it's good, God creates, it's good. God creates, it's good. God creates, it's good. Uh, God creates, it's very good. God rests, it's good. But here we see that this is obviously before the very good. This is still day six here. And there's something that God sees here that this isn't right. There's something going on. And what is it? It's that man is alone. Now, does Adam know he's alone? No. How does he have any concept of being alone? He's the only man. It's God that sees this. It's God that says, this is not how I want it. This is not how I have planned this to be. God knows his creation, brothers and sisters. God knows what's best for you and I. God wants us to enjoy creation the way he intended it to be. Look at God's plan at work here. I mean, God decides to act. What does he say? He says, I will make. In other words, I will change this. I am God. I'm going to change this situation. I'm going to give him Someone to what? To help him. He's going to give him a helper. Now this word helper here doesn't mean someone lower or insignificant. Like, you know, we would think, oh, that's just the help. You know, oh, that's just the help over there. There was like a movie that was pretty popular a while ago called The Help. I mean, that's not the word that's really used here. The the word that is used here is to describe someone that then serves in the area of weakness of the one being helped. So men, we got some weaknesses. We all know that. There's certain things that men do and teach really well to children, to those around them. And there's some things that we can't teach very well. I could name dozens of them right now. There's something that needed to happen here. In other words, here, the help is to be what man is not something different, something unique. Two different roles, two different people. We see that the helper is to be fit for him. Doesn't say identical here. It doesn't say matching man. Instead, we see that this is someone who is going to fit, complement the man to fill in. I mean, think of some puzzle pieces that fit together, right? I mean, you get pieces that come together. You can't put two identical pieces together because guess what? They don't work. Or think of a magnet. You need positive energy and negative energy in order for that magnet to stick. You take positive and positive, it don't work. Negative and negative, guess what? It won't work. It's too different. So what does God do? How does God act here? How does he work? Let's look. Verse 19. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But poor Adam. For Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. I want you to just imagine this scene for a moment, right? I mean, this, like, parade of creatures or however God did it, whether he just put them all there and they just kind of went around. Maybe he walked Adam around. I don't know. Right? we don't get the exact details. But, you know, I just, just picture, you know, zebra, elephants, you know, dog, cat. I don't know why he did that. Uh, I love cats. All you cat lovers, just... I don't love them, but um, I love them from a distance. I love them when you have them, not not me. And so, and then he's like, you know, whatever the case may be, all of these different animals, and he's naming them, and he's, he's describing them, and he's putting names, penguin, pelican, aardvark, you know? It's like just all these different things. And then Adam's probably like, yeah, none of that's going to work, right? And God already knows this. I mean, God's not caught off guard here. He's not like surprised, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that plan didn't work. Like, God knows what he's doing. He's the Alpha Omega, beginning and end. He knows all things. It's like watching a movie. You know what's going to happen at the end. That's why I don't usually watch movies twice because I'm like, yeah, it's just the thrill is gone. Like, God knows. He, he's got this. He understands what is happening here. Says there was not a helper that was fit for Adam. Now, what do we see here that Adam needs? He needs a helper, but my man needs some companionship. He needs companionship here. I mean, this is the first observation of God's purpose for marriage. One of God's greatest purposes in marriage is companionship, He wants you to have a companion. Husband and wives, is your spouse your best friend? I mean, is that your number one companion? I mean, is that the one you run to when you have good news? Is that the one you run to when you have bad news? When you're hurt, when you're sad. I mean, you, this is your first and foremost Best friend. It is your companion. Those looking for a husband or wife, let me just encourage you. Look for someone that will be your best friend. Look for that friend first. Man, Scripture tells us that, you know, beauty and wit and all these things, man, they fade, right? That companionship. You know, it's, it's something beautiful to see an older couple that just loves each other and they're just best friends and you've, you've seen them, you know, like go through the hardships and they've got the wrinkles to show it, right? 40, 50 years of marriage and just, just fighting strong, but they're best friends. Because one day those kids are going to be gone. Some of y'all are like, praise be to God, right? <laughs> they're going to be in a, a different, out of your house maybe one day. And it's gonna be the two of you. So you better hope, you better pray that that spouse is your best friend. Notice too here that because, and just to kind of elevate this point, God doesn't give Adam a dog, that ain't man's best friend. He doesn't give him a bro. It's like, all right, man, we'll hook you up with a bro. You guys are going to be tight. You'll go fishing together. Those are all good things. I love to fish. I love to shoot guns. I love to play basketball. I love hanging out. Those are good things. We need companionship with other men. All right, men? Don't, don't hear that. But that's not God's first intention here. That's not what he says. I see the need. Let me fix it. I'm going to give him someone. He doesn't give him a bro. He doesn't give him a dog. And he doesn't start him off with parents Either. I mean, some of you need to cut ties in terms of your bestie relationship with your parents. It's, it's good to be in really good relationship with your parents, and we're going to talk about that. But your spouse needs to be the one that you run to not mom, not dad, it's your spouse. That's your best friend. Notice also he doesn't give them children immediately. doesn't say, all right, to fix this, we'll give you some kids, and then y'all will be besties, and you'll conquer the world together. That's not number one. It's husband and wife. So I'm going to give them a helper. I mean, we, not to get ahead here, but we all know that God creates a woman, right? Like, We all know that. It's a woman that. He gives Adam. Praise God. I mean, I'm so grateful for my wife. I, I, I definitely, I mean, I, I'm out of my league. All you can see that, right? She's, she's out of my league here. Like, and, and she's not just in looks and beauty, but just who she is and her character and the way that she compliments all of my failures I mean, she provides me in so many things that, man, I just, I, I, I lack. I am so, so bad at. She is so good at. I mean, for you all that are looking for a spouse, my prayer is that that would be your reality too. Look on to verse 21 here. Let's continue to look here at God's plan unfolding. He says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Why did God put Adam to sleep? I don't know exactly. I mean, we're not told the specific details. No one else references this in Scripture. But, I mean, if I had to guess, my interpretation, my thought would be that, one, because it would prevent Adam from taking any credit. Because, men, let's be honest, we like to take credit for things. Puts him to sleep. He's like, this is my work. This is something that I do. I'm creating this. I've seen the need. I am making a plan. I'm making a woman, a helper who is fit for you. Also, I want to pull from the text here. And like I said, this is not written anywhere else in Scripture. This is just my implication of this. You can take it or leave it. But notice here that God chooses his wife. So I just want to give us some legs on this little application for you to take home and think about. Brothers, it is not your job to gripe and complain about the wife you have. It is your job to lead your wife to godliness. To encourage her to lead her not the moment you get out of the house you're complaining about this or that not oh, on the way home I wonder what it's going to be this time oh man I've had just such a hard day at work and now you know I just need to go home and veg out and sit in front of the TV and do nothing but man that is not what we are called to do as men we should go to bed every night tired I'm talking exhausted Because we work hard at work, out of the home, at work, in the home. That little garden that the Lord's given you on this earth, cultivate it. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next week. (laughs) But notice here, God, God didn't give Adam a choice of the women. He didn't create a bunch of women to say, which one you want? Nah, that one. Nah, never mind. He says, I'm a, here, here you go. Here she is. We must also notice that God here creates someone like him, an image bearer, to be treated with respect and dignity. Puritan Matthew, Henry, notably said I quote she's not made out of his head to top him not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved I mean man what a wonderful reminder I mean, as we look at this text and and, and squeeze that truth out of it and just see this is God's design for us as husband and wife, equal in dignity but different by design, someone who will fit him well. This warped view that women are only significant if they do the things that man can do, is from the pits of hell. This warped idea that, you know, women, you're only valuable if you can do all of these things that men do and you can do it better. That's from the pits of hell. That is not anywhere to be found on the pages of my Bible. I don't know what translation some of these people are reading from. That's not what this says. Different by design, equal in value, equal in dignity, respect. And go, Day. But we're different. God says there needs to be someone that will fit with this man, someone similar but different. And what did he come up with? A woman. Praise be to God. Someone to compliment him. Someone that will be a fitting helper. Wives, you're not off the hook. Get to you in a couple of weeks. You got to help your man. You need help? We need help, okay? This is what God's design is. Helping him to cultivate the earth, to work and keep the garden. I mean, do we see this plan unfolding here? This is the beginning. This is what God intended marriage to And there's purpose, right? The man won't be alone. God's going to give him a companion. I mean, another purpose we see is that God plans and purposes marriage to reflect his divine creation. So husband and wives, I mean, you're walking around. you're, You're showing God's creativity to the world. You're saying to everyone, This is how God designed creation to be. This is what he designed marriage to look like. In the New Testament, we see that the divine order of the family is that a man should lead a woman because this was the divine order of creation. And there's there's multiple places in Scripture that we can point to there. Paul says this numerous times when giving instructions to the church and to the family. It says, man was created first. The man was given instruction before the woman to lead first before the woman. This is God's way. Friends, God has spoken. We do not get creative liberty to alter God's plan. We cannot throw out the instructions and dismantle what God has designed and pretend that it is in line with God's plan. This is God's word, brothers and sisters. And look here, too, that God brings her to the man. I mean, this is the first father giving away the bride, the woman, his daughter. I mean, what a scene. Picture for a moment the majesty here. In this first majestic wedding, we don't see exactly, we don't read exactly how God delivers her, but we do see that it says God gave her to Adam. What beauty. What does man think about all this? What does Adam think? What's going through his mind? Well, we get a little bit. Look at verse 23. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Listen, the excitement that in the translations that we have here, it it does not do justice of what the original language would have and does say. I mean, this is emphatic language here. Adam is excited. He is thrilled. He says, I love her. That's it. Perfect. I want her. This at last. I see someone like me. Different but will fit, unique, design. Even this word that he calls her is the feminine form of man. Woman. I'm going to call her woman. Why? Because she's like man, but different but different. I mean, here again, we see this likeness, but uniqueness. There's something different about her. And then we see in 24 and 25, uh, this right here is kind of some commentary from Moses. Okay, so he's, he's talking here now uh, to the people of Israel. He's, he's speaking and he's saying, so this is why. like, So he gives this is what happened, and now this is therefore. Look at verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So the plan we see here is that a man shall leave his father and mother, Now listen, this doesn't mean that they, you leave them and never talk to them again. You know, you move away and get as far away from them as possible. I know some of you like just probably underlined that one and took a note. I'm out. That's, that's not what he's saying here. I mean, in ancient Israel, there wasn't a lot of moving away. Uh, they actually inherited uh, and gave inheritances of land. They, they blessed their children, and they would very likely stay under the same uh, community or household. I mean, they would stay together. I think we've, we've actually kind of uh, twisted this around, and, and we, we think that, like, the best thing to do is get far away from home. And I think that's uh, part of the problem in our, uh, our communities now. We've got families, Christian families, scattered all over the, the globe rather than pushing Tighten itness together and then expanding. Now that's a, another conversation for another uh, sermon, which we will get to, Lord willing, w- w- uh, week four. And that's not to say that if your kids have moved away, that there's something wrong with that necessarily at all, by any means. I'm just saying, this doesn't mean you just you you leave and like I'm done with you. What he's saying here is that what you do is you you leave that I am. My first obligation is to father and mother. Now my first obligation is to this new family that God has given to me. My wife, I leave and I cleave. I go to them. I put them first. Mom, Dad, talking about them. They go first. They, I choose them. If my parents are telling me to do one thing and my, my spouse is, is suggesting something else and, and we've come together and now we're having conversations, my first priority is to have the conversation with my spouse, not my parents. It is the household to make the decisions. Uh, wives, you, you are not your father's under his authority anymore. You, you are now under the headship of the husband to which God has given you. So it is his job to lead and love you well. Now, can dad sometimes need to step in if there's abuse or something going on? Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've just had my first daughter a year and some change ago. I mean, God help the man that ever puts his hands on my child. There will be the wrath of Tyler Cash. Tyler Cash before Christ. Some of you will get that. Some of you won't. But this is what God has said. This is God's design. We put our wives first, men. We treat them like our first companion. We love them well. Man and woman, they start their own family. And the purpose of that, look back, Genesis 1, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. One of God's purposes in marriage is to what? To be fruitful and Multiply. Now, I know that there's many in here that struggle with infertility. And I know that's a, a burden, understandably. And so what you have to do is think through, okay, Lord, how do we as a family now think about being fruitful and multiply? I'll give you one way. There are hundreds, thousands of kids right now in the foster system, adoption and that that might not be your your call right now but let me just encourage you. Like I would love to have that conversation with you and, and continue to pray with you through Lord would this be there your really desire. But we have to see that God purposes marriage for the purpose of procreation. We have to be fruitful. We multiply. And this is why same-sex marriage does not work. It denies a major purpose of God's plan for marriage, to be fruitful, multiply. I'll close now with this overview with plan A. The biggest point and purpose of your marriage is to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ, to represent the the covenant that God has made with his people and say, you know what, I'm going to represent this covenant to those around me to say, you know what, when times are hard, through sickness, health, good times, bad times rough spots, great spots. It doesn't matter where you are, but I'm going to stick with this person. We're going to fight until we have nothing left. And then when we don't, we're going to pray that the Lord would give us grace to continue pressing on. If you ever read the story of uh, Hosea, God tells Hosea uh, to go marry a prostitute in Gomer. And so Gomer, she she goes and continues to to do what she knows, and she leaves her husband, and she goes and has affairs and sleeps around with other men. And God tells Hosea, he says, you go get her. You go get her, and you bring her back. And you know why? He says, because you're going to represent me to the watching world, and you're going to love her and show the world that my love for my people is not contingent on their behavior. It's contingent on my covenant with them. And brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you are under the new covenant of Christ. Christ's covenant fellowship. We are his people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. It is not our works that can do anything. It is only the work of Christ. That is how, why you are saved, because of Jesus's work on your behalf. And if you have repented, believed by faith in Jesus as your substitute, you're a part of that covenant. Whether you fall, fail, struggle, keep pressing on. And brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, your job is to first and foremost represent that to the watching world. Family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, it doesn't matter who it is. So, I'll leave you with some questions as the band makes their way to the stage. Question one, singles, this is for you. How can you help those around you? How can you help those around you to to encourage them to a healthy marriage? I mean, that might be volunteering to babysit kids, provide some date nights for families so they can cultivate romance, have more babies. A lot of different ways, singles, you can come over, help that new mom, hold a baby, clean the house. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens and dozens of ways that you can help right now. You need to ask yourself, am I just thinking about me? Or am I... Thinking about the larger family of God, my church, those around me. How can I help? If that's the purpose of marriage, how can I contribute to that, where where they can live helpful, long, healthy marriages? And also, the other question you need to ask yourself is: Is this my aim? Am I just looking for the the, the spouse that's going to like have the most money or? you know, bring the most fame or, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever you, your little desires in your heart may be. I mean, is that your goal or are you really looking for what God has said? I mean, that's a question you have to ask yourself. You need to talk to God, ask him to work in your heart. Married folks, are you thinking about marriage this way? I mean, some of us need to make some major changes. Some of us need to make some uh, tweaks here and there. Whatever the case may be, brothers and sisters, may we work. (laughs) May we work hard. May we not treat marriage as a a box of Legos and throw away the instructions and say, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do with it. I'm going to build it how I want to build it. And whatever comes out, I'll just put on the shelf and maybe it will be okay. We do not have that option, brothers and sisters. And listen, when we fail, which we will, may we look to Christ as the author, finisher of our faith. He didn't just get us there. He's going to keep us. He's going to hold us. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness, your mercy, your love. Thank you for marriage. Thank you, God, that you have gifted us with the design of marriage. And Lord, I pray that this church, your body of believers that is represented here, Lord, we would live in a way that would promote godliness and holiness to those around us, and that most importantly, we would live lives and have marriages that proclaim the gospel in word and deed, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.